hello everyone and welcome to another very exciting Civilizations in Review. Um, my name is Ben and I'm here with another fabulous content writer, Ana Marielle Capusano, to help me co-interview Abby Hawkins, the fabulous writer who wrote about the Lachmid Kingdom. Thanks again for joining us live here on Facebook. We will also be posting this great information from this conversation today on our website, on our Instagram, on our YouTube, um, and on our Spotify. So you can engage with this content in every place you may see. But of course, there's so much more to talk about than we will fit in tonight's call. So please make sure to go to the Civilizations 101 section of the Alphusaic website, scroll all the way down to Lachmed and dive in and read along with us. I will read the 101 word intro and then we'll jump into asking Abby all about her wonderful work here with the Lachmid Kingdom. So to begin, for three centuries, the Lachmid Kingdom or Al-Manandirah in Arabic was ruled by the Banu Lachm dynasty. Amr ibn Adi, the dynasty's founder, is a descendant of the Lachm tribe that originated from Kahtani Yemen. This is mentioned in the third century Pakuli inscriptions, description of the Sasanian empire or Sassanid as you may know it, to which the Lachmid kingdom was a vassal state. Before being annexed by the Sasanian empire, the Lachmid kingdom extended from Saudi Arabia to the south of modern day Iraq, with the ancient city of Al-Hira as its capital. The Lachmid kingdom served as an influential region for Nestorian Christianity throughout its reign. Wow, there is so much to unpack there, but as I'm gonna start every call with Abby, what uh, gravitated you towards the Lachmids? Why did you choose to write about them? Yeah, absolutely. So it's great to be here first and foremost. Um, I, like most people in high school, did a lot of world history classes that would mention the Silk um, Road trading route um, that stretched through the um, Lachmid Empire, um, or the Lachmid Kingdom, my apologies. Um, and I remember looking at the different kingdoms, um, different like empires, um, to do a civilization one-on-one on and Lachmid, I remember I heard the word before and I was like, okay, where, I'm racking my brain, where did I hear this before? Um, and I'd actually come across a um, research paper that had shown that pottery fragments and Sasanian um, coins had been found along the trading route that dated back to the Lachmid um, kingdom. And I was really interested in finding out more about the kingdom, I had a very basic understanding of it stretching from Saudi Arabia to modern day Iraq, um, but I didn't have much more information beyond that. Um, and one thing that was really interesting um, looking into researching Lechman empires are the Lechman kingdom, I keep using those interchangeably, um, is how influential it was in Nestorian Christianity and then learning more about what that meant, um, and then also looking into seeing the modern day influences that the Lechmid Kingdom has had, um, particularly in um, um, influential political families, the Druze um, um, political families in Lebanon. Um, so stretching from uh, third century now to modern day um, relevant political events is really interesting. That's actually great and fascinating. Um, you would think, you know, a lot of times when we see this sort of big empires, um, you know, you, we have to think about both like how religion impacted them and how the ruling system was sort of formed. And I think it's incredible that, you know, even in the future uh, centuries to come, we saw sort of different empires in this particular regions of Saudi Arabia and Iraq. So I think it had a lot of influence with that. Um, one thing I always wonder about uh, these great empires is how they sort of set up their political 
political system or the, you know, how their uh, ruling system kind of translates to today, or even, you know, how they did it in that time, just because it, it's always fascinating to understand um, how politics worked in, in, in sort of that dynamic. Yeah, so the ruling system was one of the sections that I really had a great time researching because there was just so little information and it really goes to show like how um, impactful written history is. Um, the Byzantine Empire later in like, the sixth century um, had a lot of detail, the historians had really detailed records of um, the area that encompassed the Lechman Kingdom, um, particularly its um, decline. Um, but not a ton is known about how um, the political like structure um, was formed. Um, we do know that the founder of the kingdom, um, Anur ibn um, Abi, he'd broken away from the pre-existing um, Tanukid um, dynasty that um, really kind of um, declined with the death of his uncle, um, King uh, Jadhima um, al-Abrash. Um, so um, outside of that, um, he, um, the founder, um, Anur um, ibn Abi, had really um, moved the kingdom to the city of Al-Hira, which um, previously was mostly a dead city. Um, he really revived that city. Um, that looking at is really interesting. Um, it was a city that existed south of the modern city of Kufa um, in Iraq today. Um, and it kind of um, lived and died with the Lachman Empire. Um, so looking into like the ruling system, um, we do know that it went through several um, different um, dynastic rulers, um, save for a Persian invasion in 325 um, CE. Um, they ruled as a um, vassal state of the um, Sasanian Empire following kind of the dynastic um, rule. Um, the kind of political system that they had very much dissolved um, following, um, there was a lot of suspicion of treason under the king um, Numen III. Um, against the um, ruling king of the Sasanian um, Empire, um, Khosrau II, um, in which in that time, um, the kingdom was annexed by the Sasanian Empire um, and then largely fell apart. Um, the military was very important. The naval system was very well developed under the empire, under the kingdom. Um, and they chose very much not to support the state that they were annexed under. Um, and then um, former members acted upon actually their Rashidun Caliphate um, general, um, Khalid um, Ibn al-Walid, um, which really led to kind of the decline of then the Sasanian Empire and then um, the spread of the kind of like Islamic spread of the area. So in that re response, you named four other Al-Fuzaik empires. Um, what I think is really fascinating about the Lahmids is that they're, they're a really large player in this period of history really regionally, um, you know, a vassal state, vassal like a colony is not the right word, but a connection to a larger empire as is the Lachmids. But you mentioned, you know, their biggest rival, the Ghassanids, the Rasulids, the Sasanians. All three of those are on our Alphuzik website, so go explore those. They're also hyperlinked in her article on the Lachmids. But I think what's really interesting is, is during this specific period of history um, that the uh, empire began, you know, right before Islam really came to the scene um, is really fascinating. I think one of the only pieces of the Lachmids I knew about was the like archaeology or archaeological discoveries that were discovered by early Muslims like 400 years after the empire ended, but right at the beginning of Islam, which, you know, was still, you know, 
a thousand plus years ago. <laughs> so the, I, I really didn't know much more other, other than that discovery of their, their recent history, our very ancient history. Um, but again, I just think it's interesting that in that sentence you name dropped and also hyperlinked in this article four other very influential empires all at the same time, all right before uh, Islam really began. I'm curious uh, on sort of the connection between all these other empires. I know you obviously they're very strong with the Sasanians, given that they are their, their vassal state. But if you want to chat a little bit more about the other empires uh, at the time in, in more depth, if, you, if you'd like to jump into that. Yeah, absolutely. So it was super fascinating for me to um, sometimes for me it's very difficult to see like things in history occurring like um, concurrently. Um, so seeing the influence that all of these other kingdoms that are um, in the Civilizations 101, as well as the Roman Empire, um, and then the kind of um, Persian Empire, all of these like playing into each other. Um, so the Lachmids um, really were connected to so many different um, groups uh, in terms of like the um, relations that really were defining of the um, kingdom. Um, the Lechmids and um, the Sasanians or the Persians, um, as they would later be known, um, really played um, in into each other as um, being a vassal state. Um, another um, really important group that the Lechmids interacted with um, quite frequently is the Hassanids, um, which was like the Byzantine vassal state um, that emigrated from um, starting in Yemen to um, areas of like southern um, Syria around the third century. Um, so um, relations between, um, during the time, um, the Hassanids uh, um, and the Lechmids, um, really the relations, um, the rivalry was defined on um, actually like Christianity, um, the different lines, um, whereas um, the Lechmid um, kingdom was a very large component of historian Christianity. Um, they also had close relations with the Roman Empire, um, actually seeking help from the Roman Empire, um, which they, um, under Constantinople, did not receive that assistance, um, which actually led to um, a Persian invasion. Um, relations between the Lechmids and the Persians actually were usually pretty good. Um, unfortunately, the um, Battle of Dikar, um, which is in the allies and rivals sections, if you're interested in learning more, I'll save the detailed explanation of um, the rise and fall of the military there. Um, the um, Sasanians were actually defeated in that battle by the Lechmids, um, and that really soured relations between the two of them. Um, by um, the um, largest, like I guess, like, economic um, value of the Lechmid um, empires, as far as the trading route went, um, is um, they were one of the largest proponents of like modern agriculture. They really relied on this agricultural um, um, system um, and really invested in canals and other um, infrastructure that helped promote them um, within this um, agriculture. Um, they also um, really interacted with um, the other empires along the trading routes. That's why um, for me, the first um, bit of knowledge that I had was the pottery fragments and Sasanian coins that were found as far south as Southern Yemen um, and stretching through that entire route. Um, so seeing how they were able to interact economically with all of these different kingdoms. Um, under um, one of the, um, one of the earlier kings, I think it was the third, um, King Imru al-Qais, um, really was uh, very invested. He was one of the largest, um, or one of the earliest um, 
proponents of a unified um, independent Arab kingdom. Um, so throughout his rule, um, he really was invested in the expansion along the Arabian Peninsula. Um, that's why we can see evidence as far south as um, Nejran, which is a um, city on the border of um, Saudi Arabia and Yemen. Um, so we can really see um, his attempts to spread the Lakhmid Kingdom and then um, further as part of the Sasanian Empire throughout the region, which is of course an idea that um, came further into play with the um, Islamic expansion following the decline of the kingdom. Wow, yeah, I think it's really fascinating how you incorporated those elements together, because I think that one cannot actually function without the other, like the military does need that to, you know, a lot of uh, area to spread. So, you know, sort of uh, letting, uh, you know, the public uh, sort of understand that agriculture actually drove them to have these connections is very important because of a lot of times, you know, we think about these militaries and then we say, they were, you know, incredibly strong and, and, and defeated the Sasanian. But like, how did we sort of acquire that strength and that um, military power? And I think that it, a lot of times it comes from your allies, your rivals, and sort of like, what more can you bring into the um, sort of the kingdom itself? And I think that's great. Um, you know, like... Uh, I want to like give them the opportunity to, to kind of look, take a look at the allies and rivals sort of uh, idea, but I think that it kind of also merges a little bit with the key accomplishments of what the empire, uh, what the empire kingdom kind of uh, looked like. And, and it is great uh, to see one uh, specific part that I, that you mentioned earlier, which is how um, it was in the Christianity sort, sort of um, aspect of a, on, before it moved to Islam, but you know, even in Lebanon, as you mentioned, you know, there's still Christi Christianity there. So it, it's really prevalent even today. And, and it's really interesting. So I'd like to, you know, I don't know, maybe ask you more if there's any key accomplishments that sort of come up to you when you think about, um, you know, those aspects of the Lachmid. Yeah, um, so there's two that come to mind. I think a lot of times we think about empires and kingdoms during this time period, we think of military accomplishments, how much land were they able to encompass? Um, who, like what other kingdoms were they able to defeat? Um, and for me, like the most um, prevailing accomplishments, um, one being the fact that we can see evidence of the Lekhmid kingdom um, allegedly today, um, in that um, there was a prince um, in the Lekhmid empire um, known as um, Prince Arslan um, bin Malik, um, and that name Arslan, um, following the decline of the empire, that name continued on to the political family um, and now the former um, Lebanese Minister of Defense, um, Talal Arslan, um, has that same name. So we're able to see that the kingdom, um, the important families that existed within the Lakhmid Kingdom really were able to survive into today, um, which I think is super fascinating. Um, another thing that I thought was really um, interesting is the influence of the Lakhmid um, Empire had um, with kind of the rise and fall of the city of Al-Hira. Um, this became a very important um, birthplace for um, several famous poets um, that exist in kind of the pre-Islamic, um, I guess like very eloquent um, poetry of the time, um, as well as other notable poets um, following later after um, with the spread of Islam, um, such as like Taratha ibn al-Abid um, and Amr ibn al-Kuthum, um, both visited um, the city of Al-Hira. Um, it really served as kind of a cultural um, place of importance. And I think those are both really um, just interesting um, things that came out of the kingdom that are not really thought of um, when you think of the kind of the spread of 
Lechna Kingdom, into the Sasanian Empire, into the Byzantine Empire, into then the Islamic um, spread throughout the region, um, those things kind of get left out. Um, I think this is just like, very fascinating. And of course, there are other um, incredible things that we were able to see from their kind of more traditional like military history um, in which um, we see um, very successful, very well-developed naval powers that were able to um, spread across the Arabian Peninsula in a far larger capacity than a lot of other um, kingdoms were able to at that time. Your name dropping ability in remembering these kings literally 2000 years ago is incredibly impressive, Abby. I just want to start off by saying how uh, incredibly well researched you are. Um, that's really cool that you, you have these names. Um, I think this is so interesting that I want to talk about it more. I know you already mentioned it already, but Nestorian Christianity a uh, really fascinating branch of Christianity anyways. And this was the time pre-Islam. So that was the guiding religious philosophy, uh, faith movement, what have you, of the region. Um, I know the Ghassanids, which we have done on a previous call, it's also on the website, it's also hyperlinked in our article, was a different sect of, of Christianity, which I know was the schism. But if you want to talk a little bit more about Nestorian Christianity and, and your awareness of it, I think that would be really cool space here. Sure. So for my, like, I guess, like 101 religions here, um, Nestorianism is kind of the Christian doctrine um, that rather thinking of kind of the um, figure of um, the son of God, Jesus, as um, one figure, um, it thinks of um, Jesus kind of as existing as two different persons, um, the human Jesus, as well as like the divine son of God, um, rather than as like unified um, kind of the father, son, Holy Spirit. Um, so Nestorius um, was a patriarch of Constantinople. So bringing back to the kind of the Roman Empire um, was kind of the, um, I guess, figurehead of um, spreading this um, doctrine. Um, and um, the conflict that really kind of created the schism that um, plays into um, the separation between uh, the Hassanids and um, the Lechner Kingdom is um, at the, the um, Correct. I might be. I might be off on this. I think it's four hundred and thirty-one was the Council of Ephesus, um, and there was a conflict that led to the separation of the Syrian Church from the East, as well as the um, Byzantine um, Church, um, and the Assyrian Church um, kind of um, refused to like denounce their support of Nestorius, um, and um, then thus it was continued to like the religion was referred to as kind of Nestorianism um, to um, differentiate it from different other ancient um, churches um, and the kind of um, Nestorian um, missionaries of the Assyrian um, Church of the East were able to kind of spread this belief throughout Persia um, and then further then into um, Central and uh, East Asia later on uh, reaching China by this um, sixth century. Um, and then also um, I think was able to actually um, take hold in um, places as far as uh, my, our Mongolia and Korea. Um, so it was really interesting um, how the, um, the kind of the doctrine was able to um, originate really in the fifth century. So before the decline of um, the Lechmid Kingdom in the sixth century um, and take hold in kind of that region as being very important um, for the Lechmid um, Kingdom being a place for um, supporters of this religion to really kind of find um, a place of refuge um, and be able to establish their faith and um, their beliefs within that area. 
That is incredibly fascinating and so full of information because even for someone who like, you know, has been in Christianity all their life, like this is like completely new. And, and, you know, it made me actually want to go into the link that you posted and like click on it and, and learn everything about Nestorian Christianity. But I think that the biggest portion of it is how far it spread, even after sort of like the, the kingdom wasn't prevailing anymore in the area. And considering that, you know, when we think about, you know, the Middle Eastern area and sort of like a little bit more of like the Southeast Asian area and, and, and those sort of uh, countries together, we think about, you know, uh, other religions, we think about Islam or, you know, more in like um, Asia, we think about Buddhism. And, and so the way that that it sort of uh, spread, I think it, it usually how uh, you want a system to be established in the first place, you want to have um, that influence, you want to continue to spread and, and have long ways um, uh, of ruling because really that's that's what ruling it's all about so um in those times even um i know for sure a lot of these um uh, kingdoms empire and dynasties were reliant on religion itself so it's just you know when when, when it comes to mind it's really uh, you know an amazing uh sort of research that to do to think about how nestorian christianity um it, it was really prevalent in the region in the time and and how it, it's still there today because of you know uh, kingdoms like Lachmed that allowed it to be uh, sort of uh, present. Um, and I, you know, I think that's wonderful. You know, if there is, uh, I don't know, anything else that you'd like to tell us that, you know, that makes you, um, that also surprises, because I know that a lot of these things were also surprising, particularly the size of the, the kingdom itself and, and how, you know, uh, sort of easy it was. And, and, and I'm sure it wasn't easy for you to find all this information, because I can tell so, sort of like Lachmed is, third century, you know, that it doesn't really give you a lot of room to work there with. So, you know, what were the hardest things to find the easiest or, or that sort of thing for you? Yeah, absolutely. It was so fascinating being able to do the research on the Lechmid Kingdom um, due to the fact that I had so many gaps in my knowledge um, that I had to fill. I remember when I was researching, there was a lot of times that I was piecing together timelines and just having question marks and like, I need to expand further into this. Um, and finding myself just going down different rabbit holes of learning everything I could about Nestorianism or the different um, princes and kings uh, of the Lechmid um, kingdom. And just there's so many different things that would play into the research. Um, for me, it was both frustrating and also fascinating um, to be able to see how little information there is in certain topics and how I would have to take the smallest bit of information that I'd seen within a research paper related to separate things um, and really parse together this time frame, this region, and just try to see what information existed. Um, but then also then going down kind of even the separate route of why doesn't this information exist? What's preventing this information? Which was then fascinating in and of itself, like seeing where the written records were, what written records were destroyed. Um, one thing that was really fascinating is I knew nothing about the um, Pikeuli inscription. I had heard of it before. I knew that it was important, but learning really what it was and like how much information I um, was able to kind of be found from um, this like artifact um, was just absolutely fascinating. And it was very difficult to keep it a small um, kind of 101, of course, um, for name of the um, the um, articles. Um, to keep it to that small um, bit of information um, and not go even further in detail um, of the information expanding them upon the Sasanian history. 
Um, however, it was also just fascinating to be able to see how many different um, Civilization 101 um, articles that had already been written um, that were so helpful in me being able to establish where and when for different events with the Lechmids um, and see what gaps needed to be filled um, and be able to also just expand kind of my knowledge of having that background going into this. Um, so I guess the most difficult part was either um, cutting down the information that I found um, or being able to accept the fact that there was going to be gaps in the information um, and that my timelines were not going to be this kind of clean cut Wikipedia article where everything makes sense. It's all just right there laid out for me. And it was a lot of parsing things together, um, which was just a really fun process to be able to be a part of. I mean, you hit the nail on the head on why we have these 101s. Um, I will say, please, all the research you did, write another article about. It won't be a 101, so I promise you no word limits. Um, well, not that crazy long, but you know, you can expand as you need to. If you wanna do a whole article on the Paikuli inscription and just, just go for it. Yes, absolutely. You know, what I, what I have heard from many of our writers was the word count is the hardest thing. And then for the, some of the sections of research just depending on how well known that empire is today. Um, and so the, uh, you know, thing you just mentioned is very much representative of the uh, struggles here, but why I think this is such a valuable exercise to be concise, showcase all of the hyperlinks so you, people can read more. And you would not be the only one that has written much more about their empire in a separate article. So there is a track record for that as well. Um, I think we're, uh, we're best basically at time to wrap up, but any final things about the Lachmid you'd like to share with us, Abby? Definitely read the article and um, continue to learn more about it. It was fascinating. I never thought this would be something that I would be so interested in. I'm definitely more of a global health, international education kind of person, um, but the history was just so fascinating to learn about. Incredible. Anna, any, any final words from you? Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I like how you chose the trade-off of like, you know, having too much information or what to put on the information. Trust me, I had the same issue with the word count. <laughs> it's like a like a common thing, but I think that it's great when once we dive in, we're like, you know, all this was out here and, and none of us know. So, so I love, love that. Yeah, you did. It was great. Yeah, this is a very, very, very strong article. And um, one of the most hyperlinked ones as well, which is a great thing because that showcases you know when you can't have one-on-one -on -one words or you only have one-on-one -on -one, that gets you a uh, sort of around it in a way which is lovely well i'm looking forward to this uh Pai uh deep dive article coming soon um so stay tuned audience um for now you can read the hyperlink off her uh, article and everyone please go engage with this really fabulous piece of research uh again alfusaic.net that's a-l-f-u-s-a-i-c.net and go to the Lachmid part of our Civilizations 101 section. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you, Abby, for all of this incredible research, name dropping, awareness, and uh, hyperlinking. It is an incredible wealth of knowledge that you are now a Lachmid expert. So go you. Um, and Anna, as always, it's wonderful to co-interview. We will stop here. Have a great evening, day, and uh, keep learning more about the Lachmids. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, Thank Abby. You.